I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I simply cannot believe we're doing this again. On Friday last week, OU announced the details for the upcoming spring game on Saturday, April 13th. The game will kick off at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but there will be a concert by country music headliner Lee Bryce an hour and a half before kickoff. Somewhat predictably, a social media controversy broke out this week on Twitter surrounding the selection of Bryce as the pregame concert performer. The typical argument against that selection goes something like this. A vast majority of the recruits that Oklahoma wants to bring in for the spring game probably like rap. Thus, the university should pony up big cash for a massive rap star. I believe Drake and Migos are oft-repeated names. Now this sounds like a great idea until you stare reality in the face. The reality is that it doesn't matter whether or not OU got Lee Bryce or got the ghost of Tupac Shakur. The segment of the fan base that is upset about such things has completely lost the plot. Let me be clear. There is not a single recruit that will visit Oklahoma for the spring game that will base their decision on who or who isn't performing in the mini-concert before the exhibition football game in the middle of April. Lee Bryce performing 90 minutes before the spring game is simply a tool to put as many butts in the seats before this game starts as humanly possible. Once the concert is over, not a soul will remember the controversy nor the buildup to Lee Bryce's show. You know how we know that? Because we did this exact same thing last year, and OU still managed to sign the core of their top five class from the pool of recruits that was on hand for the spring game. I don't even remember who performed last year off the top of my head. So, to the people who are irked by this development, or to people who think this is OU not putting forth their best effort, relax. It's okay. Lee Bryce is for you. The concert is for you. The recruits will be off doing their own probably awesome thing while Lee Bryce is adding a bit of energy to the crowd before an inherently boring scrimmage kicks off. If there's one area where Lincoln Riley and the staff has earned the fan base's unquestioned trust, it's in the realm of recruiting. Sit back, relax, and try to enjoy it. Lincoln Riley knows exactly what he's doing. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. The quarterback on the option. Now let's see if Parker can get ahead of steam in the open field. Made a couple miss. Here he goes. Come on, Parker down the sideline. He's going to take it. Touchdown, Oklahoma. Damon Parker's 66-yard touchdown against Texas back on October the 11th, 1997, welcomes us into the show today. Parker had a massive game rushing for 291 yards and three touchdowns, but the Sooners lost to Texas 27-24. The 291 rush yards are the third most in a single game in OU program history. I asked you all last week to give me a comp to former Sooner running back Patrick Collins, who we used in the intro a week ago. One of you said Damon Parker, and one week later, Parker is the highlight of our intro this week. So I did watch Parker's highlight, his cut up on YouTube. It was quite impressive. Not many Sooner victories from 96 to 98, yet Parker did find ways to rush for more than 1,000 yards in every season while he was at Oklahoma. Hey everyone, I'm Lee Benson. You heard Grant at the top of the show with his opening take. We'll bring him back in a second. First, though, a little house cleaning on what to expect in the show today. I was at OU's first spring practice last Thursday. The media was allowed to access 
the team for the first 20 minutes, shoot video and take pictures, things like that. So I got a chance to see Jalen Hurts, Alex Grinch, all three of those five-star freshman wide receivers out there for the first time. Following practice, Grinch spoke for the first time since his introductory press conference back in January. I got a chance to ask him about the process that he's been taking the past couple of months to get familiar with the guys on the roster, and more specifically, the question I've talked about before on this podcast, I wanted to ask him, how much film has he been watching of everybody to get prepared and kind of get, again, familiar with the players? So I'll play that answer for you later in the show. Plus, Buki had some enlightening comments, and uh, we found out a couple players and which positions they currently hold. So we'll get into the defense, and mainly today we'll talk about the defense. So what you will not be getting out of the show is anything from Tuesday's OU offensive availability, and we're not going to have anything from Oklahoma's Pro Day, which is Wednesday morning. And that's because we're recording this early Tuesday evening like we normally do. I think if this was a normal week, we would just have pushed the podcast back a day or two to get the offensive availability stuff in and the pro day stuff in to the podcast. But I've got to go to Kansas City Wednesday to cover the Big 12 men's basketball tournament, which means that I'm not going to be able to record a podcast until Oklahoma or Oklahoma State either wins the whole tournament or the more likely outcome, which is get eliminated at some point in the Big 12 tournament. So anyways, with that all out of the way, it's time to bring back Grant. Grant, what's going on? Oh, nothing much, Lee. Just sitting here hanging out with my buddy, Baker Meowfield. For anyone who doesn't know, that is my cat. <laughs> so he's Great. sitting here, and I am I am rubbing his head. And if you hear any purrs, I apologize. Great. Great. Baker Meowfield's I, very happy right now. Good. Good. <laughs> I, uh, I guess a quick uh, back to, I, I just feel like I got to bring this up. Because you know, this did is a I just fair totally podcast. did I just totally throw you off your game there? Were you I didn't not, anticipate a cat just, thing. No, <laughs> are you just completely no. flustered now? Well, considering the next thing that I wanted to talk about, kind of because it's more Demond Parker, and you know, we love OU football, but we're not homers. So just it's I guess worth noting because it was a news story recently. Demond Parker's post football life not great. In 2016, he was sentenced to a year and a day in prison for, and I'm reading from the Tulsa World his role in an illegal drug distribution conspiracy. So I suppose he, by now, I mean, that was a few years ago, so he's probably out of prison by now. Hopefully everything's going good. Everything's behind him. Uh, sounds like the judge went kind of easy on him because he didn't have any prior criminal history. So maybe this whole thing was just like an isolated incident. Anyways, just wanted to bring that up in case you were listening to this podcast and you're like, what? yeah, Demond Parker was great, but why aren't you talking about the time he went to prison? So anyways, once again, don't have a good transition from this to what we're talking about on the show. So let's just abruptly change subjects and let's talk about spring football. And Grant, I uh, have some bad news for you. It sounds like we're going to go through another quarterback battle at Oklahoma. There's not a, there's not a loud enough fart noise in the world <laughs> to play right now for that. I, I'm not, Come on. we're not. Yeah. And, and I, and I know you sort of jest, but I'm like I'm I'm gonna put my foot down right now. Please, can we can we please not do this this summer, Lee? Are 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 you actually gonna be able to concede that Tanner Mordecai has no chance to win this quarterback battle? Can you concede it right now? Mm, in fact, yeah, I would. I'll con- yeah, I'll concede that right now. Okay, okay. Yeah. And in fact, can we even just come out and say that there there is no quarterback battle? Well, that's not what Lincoln Riley's saying. He's got this down pat. He's got the quarterback battle down pat. He talked about it. And we talked about his press conference last week, so we've already kind of gone over that. We didn't talk about this much, but 
he did talk about how each player is somewhat unfamiliar with the system. Uh, technically, Tanner Mordecai is more familiar than Jalen Hurts, obviously. But they're kind of working together, going back and forth. There'll be a battle, blah, 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 blah. But the question is, yeah, I'll concede, which is because I'm not a crazy person. Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter. I think the big question is, though, how long does Lincoln Riley drag this out? Will Riley name him the starter by the end of spring practice? I think that's the question to ask because we didn't have a starter at the end of spring practice last year. Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. I My... My first sort of feeling is that he he'll probably let it draw out to the to the summer, and I don't know. I, I I had I had made the comment last summer that this this absolutely reeks, and this is when this is this is referencing the 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 uh, the alleged Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall battle, which was not a battle last summer. But this this certainly reeks of Riley trying to build a culture in his program of competition. I, I think that's precisely what this is. Um, and if you if, if if you remember back, um, that was one of the big proponents of or not proponents. That was one of the big um, building blocks of Pete Carroll's USC program was how insanely competitive they were. They always said that your job is up. You know, you have to fight for your job every practice. So I'm assuming this is probably Lincoln Riley trying to build some sort of culture like that. Yeah, that's a good it's a good thought. And. Here's what I just kind of gathered. You know, why would he, would he not name a starter by the end of spring practice? Because he brought Jalen Hurts in. He picked him out. Lincoln Riley really wanted Hurts. And the we haven't really asked about this yet, to my knowledge. But the thought process is that this is going to be a nice bridge year between Kyler Murray and then Spencer Rattler. And so I suppose the only thing I think that might prevent Riley from naming Hertz the starter after spring is the idea that Spencer Rattler is coming in in the summer, Grant. So you got this five-star guy that nobody's thinking he's going to beat out Jalen Hurts, but will Lincoln Riley want to have that idea of the competition still open and we're going to add another quarterback in in the summer? So it's a three-man race. Is that something that's going to go through Lincoln Riley's mind? I don't confess to be a mind reader, but just something to worth maybe tossing around or thinking about will he keep this open for the idea of Spencer Rattler coming in for the first time I don't know I, I think we'll know pretty soon after spring practice um if he you know yeah. if, if he comes out and names a starter obviously he's not going to keep it going if he doesn't name a starter I can almost guarantee you that during media availability in the summer he will lump in Spencer Rattler with those two I'd, I'd bet a pretty big sum of money because that, that's just, I, I think he laid the foundation for the type of program that he wants last year with this stuff. And I think this is just going to be a consistent thing. It's certainly going to be a thing next offseason when it's Spencer Rattler versus Tanner Mordecai. Yeah, it's going to have to take a player that doesn't, that uh, that has multiple years remaining at quarterback and is obviously the starter, a la Baker Mayfield, for this not to be a thing. Yeah, let's which just. We're still. Yeah, a couple years away from that being a thing. Let's just say, you know, next year is when we're finally going to get a real quarterback battle in all likelihood. This year, not so much. All right, let's talk about that Thursday practice. The first thing I thought when I saw Jalen Hurts out there is he looked a lot like Kyler Murray to me just because he had the number one that Murray wore. He had a visor on that Kyler Murray would always wear at practice. They just looked kind of the same in their uniform. He looked the same as Kyler in his uniform. Certainly a little bit bigger, but Jalen Hurts isn't the biggest guy in the world. I think he's six foot, six one maybe. Yeah, he's not very uh, tall. 
So it's not like he, you know, he's six four, six five to where it was like, oh, obviously that's not Kyler Murray. It kind of looked like Kyler Murray out there, which was just a coincidence, obviously. But uh, just want to throw that out there. I know I'm sure you saw pictures and video, Grant. Uh, did you think he looked kind of like Kyler Murray? Yeah, I thought he looked small actually comparatively to someone like Tanner maybe it's Mordecai. that number one yeah <laughs> like, I mean I don't people know that were and, the number one makes you look smaller yeah, and that's a, like Jalen Hurts is not small like the his legs are the size of tree trunks so yeah I mean like yeah his he's got a lower body like Samaje Pirine so I mean I'm not not it's like something not something I'm worried about but I was, I was a little surprised by how not big he looked out there especially after watching that squat video where he was throwing up all that weight. That's that's one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. <laughs> On oh, social media. Great. Oh, it's so let's great. Let's just let's go over all the offensive stuff real quick. There's not a whole lot because the most of this podcast is going to be about defense. And I have some sound bites to play from Alex Grinch, Ronnie Perkins, and Buki. Any other offensive stuff? I mean, I saw those three wide receivers, Trajan Bridges, Jaden Hazelwood, and Theo Weiss. They all, I mean, for first day of spring ball they all look nice and big and tall and athletic and great not a whole lot to say other than that because it's tough to judge them any other way Nick Basquin we talked about him last podcast or you're kind of wondering if he was on the team anymore well he's on the roster and he was out of practice so Nick Basquin is on the team let's see anything else offensive um yeah sure any, any I, comments you have yeah yeah so a lot of the times um when we have new guys coming in like freshmen or guys we haven't seen in, in real game action before um during spring practice or summer practice what i like to do is i like to look at pictures not you know or mostly just to see what they look like physically do they do they look like do they pass the eye test do they look like they're ready to play major division one college football and so that's what i like to look at uh the three freshman receivers i thought um i I thought hazelwood looked quite a bit behind in in the development of his body uh weiss and bridges looked like they're ready right now to to play um from from a weight standpoint um and then another another one that uh, really caught my eye lee was michael thompson uh pictures of him he is he is massive and he looks he looks like cut. He looks like he was he was spending um, his rehab year working out. He looks good. Um, and then just another and now on the offensive line. Now on the offensive five, line, yeah, three twenty nine is his yeah. listed weight. I mean, he looked he he looked he looked like like NFL big. Um, so uh, and another thing that caught my eye too, and this is not has to do with size, but actually just sort of the alignment of the offensive line. And of course, take this with a bit of a grain of salt because Creed Humphrey's not in there. I don't even know who was who was playing center and what I saw. But a thing I noticed, Lee, was I noticed Tyrese Robinson at, lining up at left tackle and Bray Walker lining up at left guard in the pictures that I saw. So I just I just found I, I found that kind of interesting um, because I think the conventional wisdom going into next season was that that would be flipped, that, that Bray Walker is kind of the guy you can pencil in at left tackle. And um, I actually always thought that Tyrese Robinson was a guy who was going to be on the right side as a guard, but... Um, I found that interesting, but of course, there's only what like seven healthy offensive linemen, so it's 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 hard to kind of gauge exactly what they're doing based off that information. All right, a lot more to talk about defensively, obviously, and that's who talked after practice on Sat on Saturday on Thursday, and it was cool to get out there and see Alex Grinch running around. Uh, it's the first time that we've gotten a chance as the media to be out at a practice I guess aside from a couple of the Orange Bowl practices before the Orange Bowl that I didn't get a chance to go to because I wasn't in Miami 
But as, I mean, it's the first time we've been able to get out there and not see Mike Stoops as a defensive coordinator. It's not somebody else. Saw Alex Grinch. And I know, again, I wasn't at the Orange Bowl, so there was times where I'm sure media got to be out there and see Ruffin McNeil as a defensive coordinator. So I suppose this wasn't the first time ever that – not ever, but the first time in five years we haven't seen Mike Stoops out there. But for me, it was just – it was just different not to see Stoops out there. So I saw Grinch, and they, it was great because they put him right around where all the media was standing, so we got a lot of good shots of him, and he was vocal and had a lot of energy, and that was cool. I, across the field, I saw Roy Manning working out with the cornerbacks, and then I know Brian Odom was working out with the, the linebackers. I didn't get a chance to really take a whole close look at the linebackers. But um, let's see. Let's, let's play some sound because we got plenty of it. And I'm trying to find, let's see, where do you want to start, Grant? We got sound on Alex Grinch talking about positions, you know, what he wants out of his nickel back. We might as well start with Grinch. But, okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll start with Grinch. I mean, he's talking, do you want to get into him talking about what he wants out of his nickel back, what he wants out of, out of his rush linebacker spot? Two positions that we've discussed quite a bit on this show the last month. Let's start there. Sure, yeah, let's just, let's play the clip and we'll just react to what he says. All right, so let's start, we'll talk positions. And we kind of found out, a couple players where they're playing but we haven't found out who's playing nickelback yet so we'll start with what alex grinch is looking for in a nickelback and this is a position that you and i disagreed on i'm thinking more robert barnes and you were thinking more parno motley uh other type players robert barnes is out for the spring so that my theory takes a hit but anyways this is what alex grinch is looking for in a safety Starting with a nickel, I mean, a lot of times that, you know, I, I say a lot of times, I, maybe traditionally that was maybe your fifth DB and, and kind of was, was treated as such. And in, anymore, and I think you'll, you'll see in the NFL as well, that could be your best DB, okay. you know, just as, as you're playing on, on, a, on a slot receiver. And you know, really the, the number one job description is the ability to play man coverage. Can you, can you man on a slot? But can you also hold up in the run game, you know, on a tight end? And, and using, you know, uh, again, an NFL model, but can you, can you cover Wes Welker and also cover Gronkowski? You know, and then so that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a tough skill set and the ability to obviously hold up uh, uh, in terms of getting uh, running backs on the ground. So that's a unique spot, but, but it's one if you have the right guy there can, can really change the defense. All right, I said safety going out of by I admit that's what he wants to have a nickel back. So it sounds like it's got to be a player that we – kind of talked about before you got to be able to do it all you got to essentially be a safety a defensive back but also a linebacker you hear to mention the, the part about having to defend a guy like Wes Welker but also a guy like Rob Gronkowski you gotta be able to do it all so that's kind of why I was thinking more along the lines of somebody like Robert Barnes because of his size he's a guy that could defend some of the bigger type receivers and come up and make plays in the run game make tackles compared to somebody like a a Parnell Motley, who's listed at, I think, five foot 11, six foot maybe. Not the heaviest guy. I know he's, his tackling's actually not all that bad, but and in the past, in the Washington State defense, Grinch has used nickelbacks that are different sizes, not always big, not always small. So it could be a lot of different players, but he specifically didn't say anybody that's playing nickel right now. And so it kind of tells me that Alex Grinch isn't sure who his nickelback's going to be at this point, and that position is wide open. So what do you take from Grinch's words, Grant? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, of course, the thing that uh, that caught my ear the most was him was him alluding to the fact that sometimes your nickelback is actually your best DB. Um, I found that interesting. So um, I don't know. I, I, I still think in the Big 12 at that position you want a guy who can cover and I, I just I, I think that's Parnell Motley, man. I, I just I really do. Um, 
I, I, I seem to I seem to remember that that just a vast majority of his busts kind of usually come when he seems like he's confused or he's supposed to be in, in zone coverage. Um, I don't know. Put put him in man and just tell him to, to, to guard a guy. I think he can do that. I think he might be the best guy on the roster to do that, that we've seen Maybe. so far. Yeah. That's the thing, though. The question would be then, who is Oklahoma's best defensive back? And It's Trey Brown. Trey Brown. Trey Brown. Yeah. So maybe Trey Brown is a player that Al Grinch could be looking to move to the nickelback. Because Trey Brown, he can tackle. He's got some aggressiveness. He's not tiny. I mean, I think he's, what, 5'11"? Yeah, he's thick. He's thick. Thick. I mean, he good player. I mean, he's fast. So it, it makes you wonder. I know Grinch also was asked kind of about changing positions and all that stuff and and where he's at with that because a lot of us want to know you know is a guy like Buki gonna move positions we know a guy like Trey Norwood who played safety the last two games was working out with the safety group at practice so it would seem that at the right at the moment Trey Norwood is still playing safety and Grinch talking about how you know position changes could happen he said that they still could change and they have a sense of urgency surrounding that part because he wants to get these players in the proper meeting rooms with the proper position coaches as soon as possible so they can then start learning the position to the best of their abilities and get it down because it goes back to the January press conference with Alex Grinch he stressed a lot about how they can't waste any time there's so much to cover and there's so little practice time between spring ball going into fall they can't waste any time because they know it's important to jump out and be good right away and be as good as possible because people are going to be impatient and they need to get results right away. So it's a situation where there still could be changes in the secondary and probably everywhere else, not just the secondary, but also at the linebacking spots and also in the defensive line. And that's something to we'll have to keep an eye out as the spring continues and also obviously the summer. Grinch did mention that going into the spring, they've had 800 reps of walkthrough that the NCAA allows them. And he said, you know, that's just kind of pretend football, though. Now we're finally getting a chance to get out there and see what these guys are made of. And I kind of skipped over this before. I was going to talk about this at first. But, we, you know, the whole speed D thing, he did say that generally the defensive backs, to, in his eyes, have gotten bigger, which to me that means that they've gained muscle. And then he also said the defensive linemen are smaller, but then he paused and said that's a relative term, smaller in terms of they've shed some pounds because he wants these guys to be faster, Grant. And he said that the biggest enemy of speed is fat. And he wanted his guys to drop a lot of fat, which I remember last year, I there wasn't a whole lot of, and maybe in the last few years, there wasn't a whole lot of big emphasis on getting rid of fat and shedding weight. It was a lot of just kind of bulking up and getting bigger. I mean, obviously speed's important, but and this is a new thing. So the players are probably in kind of a, a they've been kind of shocked since Grinch got here because I don't know if they've been asked to some guys to trim weight like this before. So it sounds like that's going well. I know I've been talking quite a bit. Uh, any of the, any of that stuff that you want to touch on before we get to his soundbite talking about what he wants out of his rush linebacker. Sure. Yeah. And you know, Hey, I'm, I, I will come out instinctually. I am a guy who typically prefers size on the, de- on the defense. If I had to choose one or the other, I'd take size. That's just me. Um, having that been said, though, I think it's perfectly arguable to want 
to be the guy who who sheds those pounds and wants kind of a, a lighter, uh, a quicker, more agile defense. I get it. As long as that is the type of defense that you want to play and you're going to recruit to that and you are going to game plan around that, I'm perfectly fine with it. I love it. I, I'm and you know, um, as uh, just to put a positive spin on it, I, I think that's something that can be good for conditioning down the line too, and hopefully it is good for the injury bug that that has seemingly just been around this team for damn near a decade now, where they just they they just can't get healthy. I, I feel like in, in a season, at least and at least fully. You, sure. And what have you been complaining about the last couple of seasons since we've been doing this podcast, and probably even further back than that? Oklahoma's defense doesn't seem to have an identity. Exactly. And now Alex Grinch, and I know we've talked about this before, but he has an identity. He wants speed. He wants aggressiveness. He wants to take the fight to the offense. And this is just part of that. This is just part of it. You got to buy in. And we'll play some sound from Buki later on that has him saying essentially that he bought in immediately to what Alex Grinch was selling him. So let's talk about what Alex Grinch is wanting out of his rush linebacker. And we found out that Ronnie Perkins is the guy currently at rush linebacker for Oklahoma, and I believe he says that in this clip we're about to play. So here's Grinch talking about that position and how important that is to this defense. It's in the rush linebacker spot. Yeah, we call it a rush for that reason. It, that's what he does about 80% of the time is to, to get out to the quarterback. And those guys, you know, we, when you have the right guy coming off the edge, um, it, it, uh, it affects everything offensively. And, and, and so in any event, uh, we'll continue to evaluate that. But uh, uh, Perkins is there right now, and uh, uh, I think it could be a, a good spot for him. And a number of other guys are competing for it. So there's a job competition there, but Perkins is a player that they've thought so highly of at this point that he has him there. I mean, that's the guy he wants right now. So that's a player that uh, oh, that's a player that we I think maybe we kicked around briefly or you might have kicked around. I know that I thought that we kind of you and I both thought Caleb Kelly was a great candidate for the rush linebacker spot. But right now it's Ronnie Perkins in that spot. So that's uh, I don't know. It's not a surprise, but it's it's away from kind of what you and I were thinking. So your thoughts when you found out that Perkins is at the rush linebacker. So position. first of all, I, I think I think there's quite a bit of evidence suggest, to suggest right now that these guys are at their position groups where they ended last season. I think that's pretty clear right now, especially with Norwood being at safety. Got Perkins at, at that jack oh, yeah. spot, basically. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought um, about that. That's a good point. I'll speak candidly about this. Uh, Ronnie Perkins should not be the rush linebacker. That's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Um, he said that 80% of the time that rush linebacker is going to be uh, rushing the passer, which means 20% of the time they won't be. 20% uh, of the time Ronnie Perkins not rushing the passer is too much. It should be a hundred percent of the time. Um, so I, I just know I, I that just sounds like a really terrible idea to put him in space, uh, presumably against slot receivers and running backs. Really bad idea. That's not going to happen. Well, I have some sound from Ronnie Perkins, and it's him talking about how he's liking this position of rush linebacker right now, and uh, this is a podcast, and a lot of us we we really enjoy watching tape and watching film and the X's and O's. And so I was trying to ask these guys if they've watched a lot of Washington State film and have they checked out the position that they're going to be playing at Oklahoma and then watching that and does that get them excited? I, I think I might be in this question. I might have included myself in here. So let's just play this and see what happens. 
He showed us a lot um, on the Washington, Washington State defense. Uh, we running that defense. So uh, just watching that and giving us the insight on that, um, you know, movements before the snap can match the offensive line up, match the quarterback up, you know. So, like, moving. And it could possibly draw them outside. So it's all positive for us. So, yeah, we've been working on it. So you haven't watched? Do you have seen some Washington State play? Oh, yeah, you yeah. kind of zero in on the position that you play. The guy that's there and kind of see what you're doing. You get excited about what that guy's able to do. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, like that, the guy I play, like my position, like you know, you get a lot of more freedom, more openness. Like so, like my my position is like the playmaker position. So I got to make plays where I'm at. So that last Parker, it's the playmaker position, and. You were pretty much alluding to it a second ago that you want Ronnie Perkins to be rushing the passer a lot and making plays. Well, it sounds like that position is designed for him to make plays. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay, he's not going to make any plays not rushing the passer. He's not. So, um. <laughs> uh, and part of that too, and I forgot to set this part up. I was curious if how much he knew or how much detail they've gotten into in the part of defensive linemen moving around quite a bit up front, and that was the first part of an answer. And so it sounds like. They've gotten into those details, and he's excited about the possibilities of confusing the offensive linemen. Yeah, I, I just I'm yeah, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. I I think Ronnie Perkins is going to be a defensive lineman. I I just I don't, I just really don't see the value in and even thinking about dropping a, a guy who's 250 pounds back into coverage in the Big Twelve. It sounds just like a really really putrid idea. So the player that you and I were thinking would be a perfect candidate for that rush linebacker position is Caleb Kelly and we found out that Caleb Kelly has been working at the Will Backer spot which is the spot where he what changed positions to early in the year a season ago and then what Curtis Bolton beat him out for the job and then as the season progressed and Mike Stoops was dismissed and Oklahoma went back to more of a 4-3 type base and brought the the Sam backer right because he played Sam backer Am I screwing this no, up? No, you're is not. That... You have this exactly right. So this actually... This is, this, sometimes I get confused with this, with all the positions that Caleb Kelly has played. This okay, actually so... throws water on my theory about how they're just playing the same position where they ended last season because Caleb Kelly was not playing weak side linebacker to end last season. He was certainly playing strong side. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Weird. I'm, I'm confused now. You've confused me. Like, you haven't confused me. I'm... No, I... I, what you mean I, I'm confused as to what they're doing to be honest with you but hey I'm uh I I could just be talking myself into a panic I don't know one of the more confusing things actually and I didn't pull this sound but it was a question that Kerry Murdoch asked Alex Grinch and it was about Caleb Kelly and at the end of his discussion about Kelly or his answer about Kelly to be more precise he got to the point where he mentioned that Caleb Kelly is a will linebacker but he said that the will linebacker is a position that can also be a like a nickelback because it's a player that needs to be able to play in space. And then so Kerry said, asked him to clarify, and Caleb Kelly is a player that you see as a will right now, and Alex Grinch said yes. The idea of Caleb Kelly and playing in space and th talking about also a nickelback, that was kind of confusing to me because we don't think of Caleb Kelly as a player that's that good at playing in space, at least – for the majority so of his career, he's man. Yeah. That's that's where the entire Big Twelve, uh, honestly, just exposed Caleb Kelly exactly in that role in 2017. So, yeah, now that, that we're talking about this. I wish I would concerns that me sound. a little bit. Yeah, I, I should have pulled that sound just to get Grinch's words in there. But uh, trust me, he he said that. So 
that's uh that's a bit interesting when it comes to Caleb Kelly. Let's see, moving on to you know takeaways. Let's start. That's the big thing. Speed D, he forces, he wants to force as many takeaways. Alex Grinch says that's all they talk about in practice. Is all they talk about on the field. And he said that at this practice on Thursday, they got a few on Thursday, but of course they want to have more of them. I have some sound from Grinch, just more, so it's like more recent him talking about it, more on the practice field. And it's one of those things where I know that Oklahoma fans, you, me, we want to hear more about takeaways because they've just been so few and far between recently for Oklahoma. So here's Grinch on takeaways. It's a broken record, and it sounds like one. You know, if you're on the practice field, you know, every single coach is barking on every single snap, get the ball out. You know, every time they catch it, and we change the tempo how we finish plays. We're not tagging guys. We're, we're getting the ball. You know, we're stripping out the football even without pads. So it's a tremendous opportunity on every. You know, every snap is a takeaway drill. Every snap of football is, and that's how we approach it. And uh, um, again, it, it's it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to do it. And um, so you, you uh, do it every day in practice. And you got a chance to to do it in a game no different than if you you want to make free throws. You got to shoot them and you got to get better at them. So the thing that stands out to me most about that is every snap is a takeaway drill. Every snap is a chance to get a takeaway. And I have some memories of after Ruffin McNeil was elevated to the defensive coordinator last year, people would always ask about turnovers and turnovers and turnovers. It seemed like every time he talked to the media. And I have some memories of Ruffin McNeil saying a certain day or a certain maybe, – maybe a certain period of practice was committed to turnover, working on turnovers, but it wasn't – there wasn't a, a sense of every single snap. It was a turnover drill, a takeaway drill. So that's a stark difference, I think, between the attitude and the mentality of last year's Oklahoma team after Mike Stoops left and probably even before he left to now with Alex Grinch coming in that, hey, that's all they talk about. Broken record. We're on the field talking about takeaways. We're stripping at the ball every single drill. We're wanting them to be even more aggressive, uh, even aggressive when there's no pads on. Just, that's big, a big part of the defense. So that's what I found interesting about that clip. And it frankly, it gets me excited. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, yeah. I mean, how long have we been talking about how we just really want to see the defense take the fight to the offense and, and dictate to the offense what they have to do and not vice versa. So um, yeah. And I love that. And I mean, geez, they just have not taken the ball away at all in the last three seasons. It's just been, um, it, it's gotten to the point where it's annoying. So um <laughs> And yeah, I mean, especially in the Big 12, if you're not going to take the ball away from your opponent, you're going to give up a lot of yards and points. That's just kind of how it works. So this this is the right mindset to have, especially in this conference. And this is one of those mindsets too, Lee, that if things start to go your way, you start turning the other team over. This is how you bury teams. And this is what they need to start doing. Yeah, it just, it, that didn't happen a whole lot for OU. That hasn't happened uh, in the last three the whole, years. Uh, yeah, just because, you know, they're, they're able... They're able to outscore these teams, and the offense, it seems like every single game knows that that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to outscore the other team. And for the most part, it's been a successful formula. They've won a lot of games, but it's hard to count on. The last part of Grinch, the last piece of sound, is what I teased at the beginning of the show. It's something that you and I have talked about a couple times on this podcast. Hey, I wonder what Alex Grinch and Roy Manning and all these new coaches are doing to get acclimated with these players are they going back and are they looking at every single snap from a year ago how far back do they go do they go back to 2016 20 however long you know their first games in Oklahoma what have they been doing so I got a chance to ask Alice Grinch about that 
I believe my question is at the start here, and then we'll get into, obviously, what Alex Grinch says. So finally got a chance to ask that. Here it is. Curious if you get into the process of what you're um, uh, getting familiar with the players the last couple of months. How much film do you go back and watch? How many years yeah. do you go back? How do, how do you get familiar with the guys before you get the chance to see them on the field? Sure. I mean, it, it's responsible to look a little bit at, at last year. You know, you, you wonder, okay, you know, what, what number was this guy? You know, who played? Um, and it, Because as much as anything, you got you to start 11 guys with your, your, your one defense on first day of spring football. Who, who are those guys going to be? Well, a lot of times you kind of default to the guys that have been out there. Um, and so anyway, you, you did that, you know, do that a little bit. You don't do it based on necessarily scheme. I mean, you're not trying to fix fix problems because you, you have your, your system that you believe in that you're going to install. Uh, so you do some, but but you know what, what you do is you kind of you kind of press pause in terms of going too far into it. Um, just just simply because you want a clean slate and you want you want the um, you know give an appreciation for the guys with, with another off season, guys maturing, guys getting bigger, faster, stronger, or leaner, faster, stronger uh, that that what they could possibly be for for us moving forward. So Grant, when I got out of that, and I. You know, I everyone has regret. I kind of wish I would ask him a follow up, but I'll, maybe I'll get a chance to ask again. But when I got out of that, it, to me is he hadn't watched. He didn't do that a whole lot. He hadn't gone back and watched a whole lot. Not as much as maybe we thought. It sounds like he kind of wants a fresh start. Let these guys win jobs and, and not maybe pol- uh, pollutes not the right word, but get uh, have any sort of preconceived notions going into practice after seeing certain play on the field and games. That's what I got out of. I got out that he hasn't watched as much as maybe I thought he would have watched going in. Either that, or he's watched plenty and just didn't want to make it public and wanted to signal to the players that hey, you know, this is a open competition and here we go. So, anyways, what uh, is your assessment of Grinch's answer there? I don't know. I suppose just take him at his word. He said he's watched some film from last year, so I think. I think we should probably just take that at his word. I, I can see why you would want to split the baby and do both things, of, of, of course. And that's what he said. He said it's responsible to come in and, and watch to see what happened last year. I'm sure he watched enough to get a good idea of, of who performed well, who didn't, and, and, and whatnot. But, of course, when you're a new coordinator coming in, I'm sure there is part of you who wants to just be like, hey, guys, this is a clean slate. I'm going to play the guys that I can um, that are best going to you know, uh, be successful in my system. And I think you sort of have to start from a clean slate uh, in order to do that. But at the same time, of course, you want to know what you got coming in. So I think it's 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 probably just a, a split of of both of those things. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess here in Utah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you're overanalyzing it probably a little bit because um, it was my question. Yeah, probably. maybe. Yeah. I, I'm sure you know he's. I <laughs> did you expect him to? To be like, oh, I've watched a ton of film. I spend three, four hours a day just in the film room watching these guys uh-huh. from last year. Uh huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I assume coaches do, literally every hour of the day, every second of the day. Yeah. No, I I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but I was kind of I was somewhat surprised by that. And but I understand it. And also too, he may have inadvertently answered another question that we've dealt with a bit on this podcast already. Is it looked like he you know watched the tape to see who played, and then when spring ball begins, since it's, all these guys are new, you kind of just put guys out there that are just default starters almost, which is kind of the theory you kind of had, which maybe got blown up a little bit with the Caleb Kelly playing will. So it makes sense that, yeah, because like you said, like he said, you got to put somebody out there. You got to put some guys out there and you kind of just default to who was there before, which makes total sense. But also, you know, with, so, with Kelly at will, I mean, you know that because what, who, who backed up Curtis Bolton? It was, uh, 
it was uh what's his name brian mead yeah it was brian mead and so is brian mead's still there isn't he yeah as far as i know so i it could be it could be it's like hey caleb kelly was a starter at sam at the end of last year he played will for half the season he's a starter let's just put him over there um yeah that could that could have been it well that's all i mean i think that's all there's not a whole lot else to, to discuss when it comes to presumably that. I just, what i don't even think i don't i don't even think the strong side linebacker exists and and grinch's base defense no it's he's a nickel it's a nickelback base. yeah mm-hmm well, I'm just excited that we got that question somewhat answered because we were wondering about that for a few weeks. Next guy, let's talk about Buki. And he got a chance, or I got a chance to talk to him, or the whole media did. I shouldn't say me, but uh, I wasn't, again, I wasn't in Miami for the Orange Bowl. And I know that all the players have to talk before bowl games like that. So he talked before at the very end of last season. I wasn't there, so I didn't get to hear a whole lot of it. So this is the first time I got a chance to ask him some questions and stuff like that. But let's start with last season and kind of his goals now moving ahead to this season so I suppose let's start with this season he was asked what his goals are what's one of his big goals for this year and he said he wants to be a the best teammate that he can be and I'll play this soundbite for you I I found this kind of interesting because it sounds like a player who obviously was a true freshman a freshman in college he's a young guy and it seems like he just he came to some realizations when it came uh, when it comes to his team at some point during last year. So check out Buki here. Next season is to be the best teammate I can be. You know, I'm, I felt as if coming in, you know, I came in, you know, with all this hype around me and stuff, and I really didn't, you know, take advantage of knowing my teammates. And I feel as if that's a big thing that I'm going for this year. I want to learn, you know, background stories of my teammates. I want to meet everybody's family. I want to just be the best teammate I can be. And so he was asked a follow-up to that, I think, by Tyler Palmentier of the Norman Transcript of, hey, when did you come to this realization that, you want to get to know your teammates better and be a better teammate. And he said that it was after he was injured against Kansas State. And he was, I guess, at practice. Maybe he wasn't active in practice and he had to sit out. And he said he was, he'd go around to different position groups and stuff like that in practice. And he kind of realized to himself, like, man, I don't know a lot of my own teammates. And so it kind of clicked in his head, like, I got I to gotta get to know these guys better. These are, these are guys that I you know, work with and go and play games anyway so I thought that was pretty interesting and it's good to hear him kind of reflect on something last year that he he looking back now he wasn't too proud of and now it looks like he's trying to fix it that's kind of cool yeah it's interesting and he you know he he was ready for that question he had a he had an answer right away so I think that probably does provide a little evidence that that is something that he has thought about it you know for sure so it's good to see I don't know I mean will that translate into him being an amazing defensive back Probably not, but we'll see. And then I asked him if there's anything he can think of that he wishes he knew last year that he knows now. You know, typical, you know, you've had a year under your belt in college now. You learn, you know, you learn a little bit more. Anything you would change, things like that. So I think my question's at the beginning of this, so we'll, we'll listen in. Bad things are going to happen. You know, everything's not going to go your way. You know, and it's about how you react to that. You know, how can you stand, you know, through the ups and the downs? That's that's when you, everybody calls themselves solid and real these days. But no, if you can stand through that storm, you know, the same way that you can walk into it. That's that's what I wish I could, you know, tell my freshman self. Okay, I was wrong. My question was not at the start of that, but I hope you got the gist of it. Uh, it to me, Grant, it sounds like the classic case of a player who is a really good football player. Just It could be any sport. I mean, in this specific case, is football. 
And all throughout high school, all throughout his entire life, even before high school, he's been the best player on the team or one of the best players on the team. And he's always been great and awesome. Five-star player. And for the first time in his football life in 2018 in Oklahoma, not everything went, I don't want to say perfect because nothing ever goes perfect, but he had some bad things happen, like you said. And it's a classic example of a guy, it sounds like, that was humbled quite a bit. And the word humbled was used, I think, by you and I quite a bit last fall and probably a lot of other Oklahoma fans and media members. Uh, it sounds like Buki was, again, humbled in 2018. What did you make of his comments? Well, Lee, it sounds like he was a guy who came in who was not maybe uh, prepared for failure. And he stepped into the conference that uh, produces the most failures amongst defensive backs by far in the country. Um, and yeah, I mean, we saw it. He didn't, he didn't really start to have a lot of troubles until he got into the Big 12 season. Um, yeah, I mean, he got humbled. That, there's no other way to, uh, to describe that. He was a guy who, was, who, had, who had come in who had never experienced failure before playing the game of football. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we all watched last season. He certainly cannot say that anymore. Yeah, and it's just he he was real good. And one of the best sound bites a season ago was Curtis Bolton. And I remember that kind of came out of nowhere because he didn't talk really at all or maybe once or twice early on in the year. And I don't remember him talking much at all during spring. But there was at one point, I remember I didn't get a chance to go to the availability, but the guy I work with, one of the guys I work with, Brian Mueller, another sports reporter at News 9, he came back and I saw him and he said, well, uh, surprisingly or out of nowhere Curtis Bolton is the best soundbite on the team and punched it up and played it and I mean you've heard Bolton talk now I mean he's very detailed goes in a lot of detail and I'd Buki might be that guy this next year it seems like he's very thoughtful he goes into lots of details with things I don't know how often they're going to let him talk but first day of defensive availability I know he was probably requested by media members but he came out and talked right away so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to getting his feedback, and I hope he takes a big step this year. Um, so, anyways, I, I don't know if you have anything to add on do that. Do you think there's any he, chance? He's, he's a good soundbite. Do you think there's any chance that Buki is just buried on the depth chart come come fall? <laughs> Man. A chance? I mean, basically, like he was at the end of the season? Because, I mean, yeah. he was buried. Yeah, I mean, he just, yeah, he straight up just didn't play the last two games. Uh, there's always a chance. I'd say it's not a very good one, considering. Uh, I mean, they use injuries. Apparently, he was nicked up at the end of the year. That was a problem. He's not missing spring ball. He's out there. I saw him out there. So he's not going to be behind. Who wasn't so injured I'd, I'd on the defense good... last year? Like, actually, this this just came to mind. Who wasn't injured? Like, um, and I don't think anyone is really seriously injured. But like, who wasn't just like nicked up and bruised and just like not one hundred percent healthy on the defense last year? Pretty much well, everybody. I mean, it's football. Everybody gets. Yeah, but, but I don't recall Trey Norwood ever getting hurt. I don't recall Parno Motley getting hurt. Yeah, Motley and uh, Norwood are the only ones I can really think of. Did Trey Brown? Him and Kenneth Murray are the only, the only three I can think of that were never really hurt. Okay. Um, so. That's just me, but I mean, because yeah, we know Gallimore was Kenneth Mann. I missed uh, missed the game before the Texas game. Yeah. So. I don't Monty know. Yeah, Bledsoe, I, I, I might hope have they can, one or two. I hope one of these years they can just they can have just full luck with injuries. That's that's what a lot of people forget about that 2000 team. Also, they didn't have one. They didn't have one single significant injury that season, and that's just that's that's sort of the stuff that has to go right for you to win a national championship. And that's that's the stuff that has not 
gone right for Oklahoma when they've been in chances to win national championships. Uh, 2008 is the obvious one that comes to mind with DeMarco Murray. Okay, yeah, you're right, but Oklahoma was relatively healthy for the most part last season until Marquise Brown. I mean, that was the biggest one, and that was at a bad time. But, I mean, they didn't have a whole, like, they were healthy. I mean, offensive line, all good. Obviously, Kyler was good. Yeah, they've always, been, they've always been healthy on offense. It's the defense. Yeah. So it, it yeah. leads me to believe if they're – I wonder if that's been used as an excuse in the past for to the media. Sure, maybe. I got one more piece of sound to play from Buki, and it's a, a bit of a long sound bite, but that's because there's three different questions asked to him during it. It begins with my question, and this is the part where I'm trying to try – I'm trying to get at any sort of angle of like, hey – have they asked you to play corner or do they know you can play corner or do you want to play corner? Obviously I didn't ask that. So what I, the route I was going is when you first met Alex Grinch, what did you all talk about? How did he get to know you? How did you get to know him? And you'll, you'll kind of hear from my question. You know, maybe it wasn't the best track, but I was trying to get something out of him as far as, you know, if he and Alex Grinch have discussed things in the past, hint hint like him playing cornerback in high school or something like that or uh so listen to the question and then also you'll get a follow-up question by eric bailey from the tulsa world and it's relevant because it's about roy manning the cornerbacks coach you think okay buki cornerback what's he going to say about that and then finally you're going to hear Kerry murdoch ask a question at the end as well that's going to kind of sum a lot of things up and, and give you an idea of how buki feels about new defensive coordinator alex grinch when you first meet Coach Grinch, uh, how do you get to, to know him? How does he get to know you? Do you talk about last season, high school ball, you know, all the different things you've done? Like, how, how does that go down? Talk about today. Whatever happens, right then and there. We don't look at the past. You know, a lot of things that went on last year, you know, we speak on it if, maybe, if we have. But really it's just right now. What are we going to do about today and tomorrow? You know, we have to, put, like, preparate, prep, like, make ourselves right for tomorrow. You know, but you just have to worry about the right now. You don't have to think about happened, what happened last year or anything. You had a lot of interaction with Coach Manning and your, yeah. thought, your thoughts on him? Yeah. You know, Coach Manning is, is our corners coach, but he's also just, you know, he's in the secondary. Mm -hmm. You know, so when the opposite group is going in, you know, when they're going, he'll make sure he'll ask me, like, what do you have on this play? And I'll make sure I echo it back to him. But he, he was at UCLA last year, so he knows a lot of the guys that I know. I know it, it probably had to start circulating that Coach Grinch was having one-on-one -on -one meetings with everybody when he first got here. How much did that really help this team? And, and what did you learn after – Having that one-on-one -on -one meeting with him, uh, I got to know, you know, what, where his where his mentality is. You know, you know, I got to see it, and I bought into it immediately. You know, because I that's what that's what you need. You know, as a defense, you know, we're gonna make offense play on our terms. You don't get to, you know, just run freely. What you want to do, we're gonna put our hands on you. We're gonna play defense. So I felt as if once he spoke, you know, I was I was all, I was I was ten toes for him. Hell yeah. That's that's the best soundbite you've played so far. The last part? Yes, that is awesome. <laughs> so, uh, uh, of course, I did uh, carry from Sooner Scoop. Uh, so, yeah, that, his question got that, that last answer. Uh, bring the fight to the offense. He's all in. Um, let's see. I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask you to go first, your thoughts, but so those are your thoughts that excite you. What do I you, mean, yeah, that's, what you, I mean, that's verbatim exactly what I have wanted to hear the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma say for the last three seasons. Verbatim. 
What do you make of the first part when uh, you could t- you could really tell that he's trying to do his best to turn the page on 2018? Yep, yep. that 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 came off as as pretty obvious to me. He it, it kind of seems like in his mind he started going on one track and then his better angels probably decide probably you know showed up in his in his brain and said ah maybe maybe move on from that one. So which is okay. That's that's totally fine. I'm um, yeah yeah. This I don't know I. You're, I'm not part of the media, so I feel like I can read between the lines. I, I think he's he, he's talked to Grinch about all of this stuff. He's not... Buki definitely comes off as a guy who is self-aware. He knows that he was bad last year. He knows. So, um, yeah, this is good. Well, I mean, not, we'll, we'll see. I, yeah. we, we haven't seen... This is this is a fresh start for, Bu- for Buki, and it needs to be, because the player we saw last year is not the player um, that we thought we were getting. So, um, And we, we are not sure yet if that's his fault. We don't know, so it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how he performs with the new coaching staff. That's always been the rub with Buki after we saw his performance from from last season. And I hesitate to bring this up, but I will just for the sake. It could be interesting. Wasn't there? Was there a tweet or an Instagram post from Buki referencing something about how he wasn't all in or he wasn't fully backing Mike Stoops? Am I? Yeah, he. After Stoops got fired and and Ruff took over, he tweeted that thing out and said, "It makes like a world of difference when you actually like your defensive coach or something like that." Paraphrasing, right? Yeah, it's paraphrasing. So, yeah, and that I know that he takes some, he took some heat from I think some ex OU players, and uh, I can't I I don't want to say I again I hesitate to bring this up because I know this was but that did happen though, and that I mean you can infer what that means. I mean he they only have to infer. I mean he said it, and I think. He, I don't know if he took the tweet down or if he, whatever. But anyway, my point of me bringing that up, though, is sure, that was a pretty immature thing for him to do. But now you have him publicly saying that he was 100% in, bought in to the new defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. So I think there might be something there. It's good to know that he's in. Granted, you could be a cynic about it and think, well, after what happened last time, no matter what, he's going to say he's 100% in and, 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 and you know backing his coach whatever like that so that's kind of the cynical route but again it's a podcast and we got all the time in the world so I figured I'd just kind of bring that up to compare and contrast contrast the mentality of freshman Buki middle of the season to now March of 2019 it seems like a guy who's reflected and looked back and realized that yeah maybe he wasn't as ready for the the spotlight as he thought he was so that's all I have on Buki that's all I have really on the defense at the moment I'm glad we got a to play all that sound that's the the main stuff from the availability that we know I realized that there was one more offensive note that we did not touch on at the top of the show that you added to the show kind of last minute but it's something that happened in the last couple days so let's transition back real quick to the offense and I'll let you handle this one Grant because I'll be honest with you I haven't looked at all into this story very much I just heard it yeah and this is more of just we're just sort of letting you know this is something that happened but uh, OU did get a commit from a grad transfer offensive lineman on Sunday. That is R.J. Proctor. He is from the University of Virginia. He had the best pass blocking grade on the Virginia Cavalier football team per Pro Football Focus in 2018. He is a guard, and uh, he is presumably going to be very valuable added depth uh, for the offensive line, which which took quite a quite a hit with with people leaving early. I don't. I don't think they anticipated at the beginning of the season to lose 
Evans and Ford. I think they probably were counting on both of them being back for this season. Um, one, I don't think they anticipated Ford being maybe the best offensive lineman in college football this year. And I think I think Bobby Evans leaving surprised everybody. So um, extra depth is good. This is a guy who started 12 games in his career. He's played in 32 games. Um, it is not a terrible thing to add uh, a guy like this for depth. And who knows? He, he might be able to compete for a starting job. I want to quickly push back on Bobby Evans. Weren't they lucky to get Evans for even for 2018? I mean, there was a thought that he might go to the draft after 2017, and he came back to try to get a little bit better, and he did. And so, like, I I, th- I think they probably – I'm going to guess they thought for sure Evans was going to be gone after last year. The Ford one probably surprises them. Oh, bit. well, I, there was – I mean – just like kind of on on a lot of the the pay sites and stuff like that, they were they were saying all the way up until basically a couple of days before he announced that the coaching staff expected him to be back. Mm. Um, so him him kind of at the last second deciding to declare was a surprise. Um, and I mean he he didn't have a great season at left tackle. He was good at left tackle, but he was nowhere near as dominant as he was the season before that playing on the right side. So um, God, can you imagine? OU next year if they had Ford and Evans coming back. <laughs> I know I know it's it's stupid to play that game in your mind. I've I've done that a many a times through many of years of OU football and it's silly to start playing that game in your head, but man, that would be that would be terrifying for opposing teams. But you know who they do have coming back? They have Trey Sermon again. They got CeeDee Lamb again, who both looked very big and very strong on Thursday. Kennedy Brooks. And they have Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy Brooks does looks does not pass the eye test whatsoever. I'm just gonna come out and say it. Like I'm not like he very clearly is a is more than capable and and more than more than capable. He's he's a really good college football player. But yeah, that guy he just does not he does not have the profile of like an elite running back at all. I don't know what you mean by that, though. I mean, you look at him play, and he's really good. He's really—he just—he just doesn't look—he just doesn't look physically imposing. Yeah. Um, he, he just—he just doesn't really look like uh, the type of guy who would be an outstanding college football player. Like his body type. Okay. Sure. That's—that's that's what I'm—that's what I'm saying. And you, okay. and you, you I mean, watch the thing him, that you watch him run. He kind of just like glides. He never even looks like he's running yeah. fast. Well, the defining moment of Kennedy Brooks' 2018 season to me is in the Orange Bowl whenever he took that swing pass and was able to break a tackle on third down and pick up a first down. That was huge. It's like, okay, this guy's doing this against Alabama. Yep, that's kind of what made me start to uh, like, think, okay, Kennedy Brooks might be a stud type thinking. Like that, because that, so yeah, that was not a, a routine play to make at all. No, that, yeah. no, not at all. I mean, he, he, had, I mean, he caught the ball and it was, he was kind of hung out, not hung out the dry, not that badly, but he had to make the catch and almost immediately shed a tackler and he did and he was able to get it and it was off, it was a either third or fourth down play and he got the extra yardage and then yeah so that's I mean wasn't a touchdown but that's the play that I think of in my head when I think of Kennedy Brooks yeah, right now same I, I'm glad it's you brought crazy, that up yeah. because I that play is constantly on my mind when I think about Kennedy Brooks and that is a play that let's I mean only a very good to great college football player makes that play and real quick, back to R.J. Proctor. It makes me think of last season when Oklahoma was trying to get, was it Calvin Anderson that Texas ended up getting, the yep. grad transfer offensive lineman? So this year, Oklahoma does get a grad transfer offensive lineman in the springtime. Well, the guy we'll that's... He, there yeah. was another guy from uh, Rutgers who was kind of like the crown jewel offensive line uh, grad transfer. He, I think he ended up going to Ohio State. But yeah, I think he was, he was like first team all Big Ten. 
and OU was in on him as well. So he would have been sort of the crown jewel, big get. Mm, okay. But yeah, I mean, this is, I, I know it was that guy and then Proctor were, were, were kind of lumped in together as the two, you know, pr- pretty good options for grad transfers. Good. Well, the last thing on the football team and football related that I, I've got here is something that was asked on our Facebook page weeks ago, maybe even a month or two ago. And I apologize. I don't remember which listener asked this, but we'll bring it up now. Asked about Austin Seibert. Who's going to replace him? I mean, that's a storyline that hasn't been discussed really at all. I mean, Austin Seibert's a player who kicked and punted for Oklahoma pretty reliably for the most part for the last, what, three seasons? Was it four, three, four seasons? Four. Definitely three. It was four. four. Okay, so... So now this is a two positions that have been pretty steady that is now or are that are wide open. And so the question is who is going to replace him? And that wasn't a topic at Lincoln Riley's press conference at all last Wednesday. I don't know if this has been addressed during the lead up to anything else. I don't know. I if this if this has already been addressed, I'm not I haven't heard it, but uh, I I asked you the other day and you had a, a theory or a guess on who, who it might be, and so I've listed here on, here on our rundown that you all can't see, but I've listed the, the four specialists that are on the roster, and one guy's listed as a kicker slash punter. There's two kickers and then one punter proper. So who was the guy? You, you, were you thinking that it could be Gabe Burkich, Grant, yeah, that think, could be the next kicker? Yeah, he's the one that I've kind of seen thrown around as the guy who's, who's probably going to get the first crack at it. So Gabe Burkich is a freshman, and I believe he redshirt. No, yeah, okay. So he, well, I guess he'll be a sophomore, or no, he probably end up, will end up have a redshirted last year. Sorry, I'm sounding terrible. 2018, a season ago, he did play on the team. According to Oklahoma's website, he played in the FAU game. Yeah, he he did. And, he kicked an he kicked an extra point. So I think that's why mm-hmm. that's why I think people kind of assume that if he was the guy who kicked the extra point. Um, in relief of of Austin Seibert, that he's probably the guy. But I mean, who knows? Reeves Munchau could come out and and tear it up. But I I think he's actually just a punter though. So who knows? So yeah, the other guy that's interesting, yeah, is Reeves Munchau. And Reeves was a red shirt in 2017, and last year he didn't play at all. And just looking at his bio on the Oklahoma website, like you said, he is listed as a punter. That's it. The other guy, Burkich, is listed as a kicker slash punter, like Seibert was. But looking at the bio for Reeves Munchau, and it says that he was a three-star recruit, which punters and kickers, I think they're always three-star recruits. There's, are they ever four-star? I doubt it because it's a specialist. Not but, that I know of, no. Yeah, uh, But according to this, he was rated as the nation's number two punter by 247 Sports and the number three punter by an outlet called Coles, and he was ranked as the number six kicker by ESPN compare that to Burkich who coming out of high school and this is different classes but uh, Burkich was ranked as the nation's number seven kicker and so in Reeves Munchau's class he was ranked higher than as a kicker than Burkich was yeah this is not that scientific and uh, Burkich was the number 22 punter in his class so based off of this off the high school stuff, I mean, who knows? Things have changed, but Reeves Munchau coming out of high school was a a better punter and kicker recruit than uh, Burkich. But like you pointed out, and Burkich did kick a field goal and kicked off a f- four times against FAU last year, and uh, Munchau didn't play at all. So 
maybe that'll be the battle. Maybe it'll be the the, the Burkich Munchau battle. And who knows? Maybe one of them will kick, one of them will punt, or Lincoln Riley has gotten so comfortable of one player doing both. Maybe one of them will also kick and punt at the same time, like Seibert. Who was the punter Don't before know. Austin Seibert? I'm having just such that that's what I've been thinking about while you've gone on your rant here. I don't know. Well, you would, yeah, you would know better than me. I know. I'm. I feel like I'm just failing right now. Uh, just, I'll give you some more time, just in, in case there's other players out there that make a run for it. There's two other specials on the roster, both kickers. A guy named Calum. It's either Calum or Callum Sutherland, and he's from Texas. He's a redshirt sophomore. And Steven Johnson is a also a redshirt sophomore. Both guys kickers. You can't even click on their names on the OU website, so they don't have any sort of bio. They just have a spot on the website or on the roster. The other two players, Munchau and Burkitt, you can actually click and read up on their on their high school career and things like that. It was that, so. Jed Barnett, and I do remember yeah. Jed. He was a JUCO guy. Um, wow, you know what? I, I never thought this day would come, and now, of course, I'm, I'm struggling to think who the punter was in 2012 and all those years, so it's fi- it's finally happened. I've kind of yeah, I'm pretty, where the memory kind of gets you. Yeah, I'm pretty disappointed about that. Really disappointed. Well, at some point, Tress Way was the punter. Yeah, you know, it was. I think it was Tress. It would have been Tress for those. And apparently, Tress Way played quarterback for oh, the yeah. Redskins last year, according to Stephen A. Smith. Now I feel even worse now because it was obviously Tress Way, and he's like the best punter in the NFL. So of course, I'm sitting here, like, yeah, that's not 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 a good look for me at all. <laughs> has he turned into the best punter in the NFL for real um I don't know I mean he's he's a punter who has had like a job for seven or eight consecutive seasons in the NFL which I mean I think that's pretty impressive on its own all right so again uh, if you're getting to the end of this podcast and you're wanting us to talk about Kyler Murray or more offensive stuff we just don't have that information because we're recording on Tuesday evening sorry about that I do think Kyler Murray is going to run a sub four four forty though Grant I think he will run a sub four four forty, even though the over under in Vegas was like four three seven. Yeah, do you think he's gonna run sub four four? Yeah, I do actually. He's really, you know, here's he's a, really fast. He's really fast, and here's another reason why I think it's gonna happen. This is pro day at OU, and I think it's like a little unofficial. I mean, Jeff Badette ran like a four two forty. Yeah, he ran a four two seven. Insane. Year. Remember that? Or four, which is. Which is absolutely insane. So I don't know if he would have ran that same time at the Combine. Granted, he didn't get invited to the Combine, so he didn't get a chance to. Jeff Bidette, I believe, is uh, he made the practice squad for the Vikings. Good for him. Yeah. So I think there's always going to be a little little bit of home cooking at pro days where times like that will be somewhat uh, in favor of the players. Other things to think about, uh, I guess by the time you're listening to this podcast, Pro Day is either happening or going on. I'm curious to see if Cody Ford has a better number in his bench press reps because I think he had 19 at the Combine, and I want to say I saw a tweet or some report that he felt some tightness in his shoulder or something like that, so he, he stopped. So we'll see if if he's gotten better in the two weeks or so, two and a half weeks, and maybe he can, he can bench more because I was certainly surprised to see that Cody Ford's bench press reps were – the lowest of the offensive linemen there at the combine for the Sooners because he's a big hulking man that's a mountain of a man yeah those are uh, shocking yeah that surprised me um certainly uh certainly is a hit to to my take that he'd be the first offensive lineman taken but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that though I'm gonna stick with it I still think he is gonna be um 
everything I the, there was a the beat writer for the Colts Lee. He works for the Athletic. Um, he actually he followed Cody Ford around on his workout day in the combine, and he he wrote up a a piece on it, and he said that Cody Ford was very impressive, like on his on field work. So like the actual football drills, I guess he impressed a lot of people, but the physical Good. stuff not uh, not as much. Lastly, Lee Bryce concert grant your opening take. I know you don't want to talk about it really a whole lot anymore, but the only thing I have to say is in my super non-scientific way, and I'm going to do it right now just to double check, Lee Bryce is a nice get for Oklahoma for the spring game. He's got over a million followers on Twitter. I know not everyone's on Twitter, but uh, over a million followers is a lot. Compare that to Trace Adkins, who was at the OU spring game last year before the spring game, and Trace Adkins has just short of 400,000 followers. So Lee Bryce has 600,000 more followers on Twitter. Therefore, my totally non-scientific uh, study, it means that Lee Bryce is more popular than Trey Sadkins. Therefore, which should lead to more people wanting to go to the OU spring game or buy tickets to the OU spring game to see Lee Bryce. Therefore, which could lead to the spring game attendance record being broken yet again, which was 52,000 last year. We might get 55,000 this year or maybe heck maybe even 60,000 because I think Lee Bryce is more popular right now than Trace Atkins it also wouldn't hurt if it was a nice day and it wouldn't hurt if it was a nice day that'll make yeah that you know that's actually a really good point because if the weather is just beautiful it's almost you can't really compare the two because it's not fair to Trace Atkins because it's just it's the weather affects so many things for everybody I mean that's our daily lives so Yeah, and uh, so just just to put a bow on it, I, I think this whole thing is is very obviously, um, this is this is the product of it being March, and us not having really any football to talk yet. This is why people are talking about this because it's news, um, and it has to do with recruiting, which has turned into a really big thing, especially with social media. And I think that social media just really warps a lot of stuff. It it allows it allows fans to see what what 17 and 18 year old kids are thinking and doing on a daily basis, which is weird. Um, and the, the whole thing is just, is just silly to me. Lee Bryce is going to put on a fine show and everyone's going to forget about it. The moment that that game kicks off and it will be completely inconsequential. The end. Yeah. That's all I have on Lee Bryce as well. Since this is a shorter podcast than normal, I have one last random thing to talk about just to, because we can that, you know, some of you out there who listen to this podcast all the time and know about my affinity for football and mainly the NFL and how much I love it. I'm kind of surprised, Grant. You know, this whole free agency thing this week that's going on where all these players are getting signed and all these contracts. I haven't had any interest in this really at all. And I think the main reason is there's not really any big name guys. I know Antonio Brown is going to the Raiders. That's a huge name. Okay, that was solidified, I think, Saturday night or Sunday night. And then... Nick Foles going to the Jaguars, which was reported, I think, a week or two ago. So that wasn't really a surprise. But a lot of these players are defensive players and stuff like that and a couple of random guys. And for whatever reason, I just have not gotten into NFL free agency at all, whereas NBA free agency, for example, in July is always a huge deal. It seems like it's getting bigger and bigger. And mainly that's because it seems like all the drama in the NBA is off the court, not necessarily on the court these days with the Warriors dominating so much. But just curious, have you been interested really at all in all these NFL players signing and free agency? Because I 
really kind of haven't. I see. I, I absolutely see where you're coming from. Um, and yeah, I've been a little disconnected from it. And it's mostly just because the news of, of the and, and free agency hasn't even officially kicked off yet in the NFL. I think it's tomorrow or Wednesday is when it is when it like officially kicks off. So all of these deals that are being reported are handshake deals. Um, and so to me, Lee, it's, it's just, it all came in really quickly. There was a lot of people, um, like, um, Landon Collins signed yesterday or, uh, quote unquote signed yesterday and so much more other stuff came out that it was completely buried. And I didn't even see that it happened until later in the day when I kind of went back and, um, and I only bring that up just because the Colts were kind of rumored to be in on him and he ended up going to, I don't even know where he went, but he was I think we had to Washington. Washington certainly overpaid, though. Um, and, Lee, and so I think what NFL free agency is doing now is all it does is shine a spotlight on the really bad front offices in the NFL. Hmm. Um, giving out these contracts to, uh, to players who don't necessarily deserve them. Um, winning in this league is done through the draft. That, that's how you do it. And the best, uh, the, the best teams are going to be the ones who... Uh, draft players that they can develop and can turn them into a good franchise, and they save their money to sign those players long-term. That's how it works. Um, you don't get good by signing free agents in the NFL, and I know a lot of people are going to point to the Rams of this past year and say, hey, look at them. They were you know, 10 points away from winning the Super Bowl. Uh, apples and oranges. They had a, they had a franchise quarterback with a, with a cutting-edge coach, uh, who seems to kind of know the inner, like the inner secrets of how to move the ball in the NFL? Um, not exactly the same thing. And a vast majority of their their free agent acquisitions, Lee, last year, the Rams were on defense, and their defense was simply not good in 2018. So, um, I don't know. I, I like I said, I think it's interesting. Just so like the the teams that are giving out the big contracts, kind of circle them as the ones who are very likely to be bad or disappointing this upcoming season. And for this foreseeable future, because they probably have lots of money tied up in average to below average players. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, you got to win through the draft and a lot of it is money based, things like that. There are two potential moves or things that could happen that apparently have been rumored in the last day that if they do happen, I would be incredibly interested in one. I haven't even heard much about this and I, I don't really believe it, but apparently the Bears are interested in Le'Veon Bell. Which, I mean, I'm sure everyone's interested, but the question is, can you pay him? Because he's a running back and he wants all his money. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, I mean, I, running. you know me, I think running backs are a dime a dozen. But here's the thing, I mean, if the Bears think like, hey, whatever, we can, we got a lot of money. Let's just give the, let's give money to Le'Veon Bell because he's a superstar running back. I mean, he's so much better than uh, Jordan Howard. So if that were to happen, I would be kind of, concern because that's way too much money to give to a running back but at the same time thinking like that's eh, he's pretty good i would and also if i was oh, if okay, i like ahead. yeah if i was in the bears front office i would caution doing that because one right. you're well one your best offensive player is already a running back um and two there's no reason to spend a lot of money on a well, running back I, they don't provide a lot of value i yeah, like and and, and i, I, think I and Le'Veon bell is yeah. Le'Veon bell is obviously obviously better than Tariq cohen is he that much better than Tariq Cohen? Because you know that, like the, oh yeah, he is. You, really, you yeah. think like I, Tariq, Tariq Cohen for that much for is, that for that amount of money? Well, no, no. But I think he's a lot better than Tariq Cohen. Uh, but the thing is, the Bears just also signed Mike Davis, who was like on the Seahawks. It's like okay, that's not very exciting. I don't know. It, but here's the big one though that I'm seeing rumors on. That's like okay, this would be super interesting for not just us, but 
the entire NFL. Are you hearing? Have you heard rumors that the Browns are trying to get Odell Beckham? I have, and that is not a good idea for Cleveland. I don't know why they would want to do that. To be honest with you, I mean, and so oh, and you're going to come on the other end of that, huh? I, I mean, I just, I think players want to play with Baker Mayfield. So going from Eli Manning to Mayfield, and I think that would be really fun and interesting. I think it would I, be. Like, I think it'd be stupid. You have to. You have to trade picks for Odell Beckham. Uh, presumably, lots of them. And yeah. p- picks is picks. Having as many picks as humanly possible is how you build good teams in the NFL. Um, I like. I, I understand. Like it's it's flashy and it seems fun, but I just in terms of value, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't think. Yeah, we'll see. I think the rumors are it would be something like the Browns' first-round pick this year and then a second-round pick next year, which, in theory, if you're thinking, okay, I'm basically drafting Odell Beckham Jr. with my first pick But also, um, OBJ is still on his first contract, so they'd have to re-sign him, and he would uh, presumably probably be, that'd probably be the most expensive contract ever for a wide receiver. Uh, It just doesn't make a lot of sense. You're, You're giving up... You're giving up two very, very high-valued picks for maybe a one-year rental of a guy, and if it doesn't go well, he's certainly not going to re-sign in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it's so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes, it's, it's more if you're yeah, it's it's more fun to talk about than it probably yeah. is practical and maybe would work. If you're a Super Bowl contender and you have an opening at wide receiver, you need like a playmaker at wide receiver, and you are and otherwise you're a Super Bowl contender and you got a first and a second-round pick then yeah, I mean, that's something that I think you would pull the trigger on. But Cleveland's not there yet. I mean, this is, they're one season removed from going 0-16. There's still, they still need a, a large influx of good players on that team, not just one single wide receiver. All right, well, I think we've done enough to fill the time in the last 10 minutes or so. People that really love this podcast and really want to hear what we have to say about NFL things, then you got that. Uh, anything else on OU football before we wrap? I think I think we're good. Uh, we're good. We'll just see what happens yeah, okay. on on Wednesday because then we'll have lots yeah. to talk about. All right. Well, that's it for this week. On our next episode, we're gonna have plenty of time to get into all the new spring practice developments from this week. Which I'm not so sure there's gonna be a whole lot considering as we record this today, OU's already done their offensive availability, and then Wednesday will be pro day, and then that's it. That's it for this entire week and then next week they have spring break oh he was on spring break so there's not gonna be anything no practice availabilities to work around so the next time we'll have uh, all this i guess basically today and then pro day to talk about and then whatever else comes out hopefully that made sense whatever we're done we've gone a little longer than i would have thought until next time for grant i am lee this is west of everest